All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Can you see Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. At arm's Fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. My name is David Quadrelli. 
I am joined by Chris Faber remotely this episode. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, it's a little bit of a midweek episode here. We got an awesome guest joining us here. A great conversation with one of the Canucks' top prospects. And uh, I'm ready to chat some Canucks because there's been uh, there's been some ru- rumors and rumblings going around a little bit. And I wrote about that for Canucks Army, but we're going to get into it a little bit and kind of break it down in depth a little bit. So I'm excited for this week, man. I think it's going to be a great episode. Yeah, I'm very excited. We had a good chat with Nils Hoaglander, the prospect Chris is talking about. And when we get back in the studio, Chris, I'm not sure if I told you, and the, this is the first time the listeners are going to hear about it, I made a button because as longtime listeners of this show will know, Chris and I can't really pronounce the team name that Hoaglander plays for. We say Rogel, we say Rugle, we say a ton of different stuff. So we asked the man himself, how do you pronounce the name of the team you play for? And he told us, so I clipped the part where he told us, and I am going to put it on a soundboard so that when we do the show, back when we're at the studio and we have our soundboard, we'll be able to hit that button. Just like we hit the hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drance button, we'll be able to hit a button that'll cue up Niels Hoaglander going, regle. That's how you say it. It's regle. I've listened to it like a hundred times. Good. And he uh, he also told us that we weren't far off. Like he said, we were pronouncing it okay uh, for people that weren't from Sweden. So we got like the okay from Niels Huglander that, uh, that we were pronouncing it right all along. Even though it seems to make me struggle every time I try and say it, uh, I second guess myself as soon as the word Rogel comes out of my mouth. Yeah, but... The media also got the okay from Elias Pettersson that they could call him Elias Peterson when he first came here. Like, these guys are shy. They're not going to tell us we're pronouncing it wrong right away. They've got to warm up to us first. Trust me, that's that's why he said it. He was just, he was just trying to make us not feel bad about ourselves. <laughs> that's true. I think I think Huglander's warmed up to us a little bit. This is the second time he's been on the podcast now. And, uh, you know, we joked a little bit. I think one of my favorite parts of the interview is joking around and asking him, uh, what does he think is more fun? Is it catching a massive fish? Uh, because Huglander is obviously a huge fisherman. He enjoys fishing in his off time. Uh, or was it getting an assist on a goal? And we, we had some fun with that one. That'll be coming up here in the interview. I'm just pissed that I didn't ask him about Call of Duty. Like, I, I was, after the interview, I was just scrolling through his Instagram, whatever. I sent him a message thanking him for coming on the show. And I'm scrolling through his Instagram. And, like, he's a Call of Duty partner. When he was out here in Vancouver, he, like, was a Call of Duty partner. He's like, oh, thanks for having me out to try the new Call of Duty. Back when Modern Warfare was first coming out. And then he's like, hashtag Call of Duty partner. I'm like, are you kidding me? How did we not ask him about that? We should have asked him to help us out in Warzone. Because we can't get any freaking wins. Yeah, we've yeah we've got to completely reconsider what's going on with our Warzone game right now. It's been uh, well, you got a duos win the other day, but our trios group that we play with, um, us three, we we play. I think we play like probably, I'd say every second night for sure, right? Like nine p.m. every second night, we're on Warzone with our crew of three people. It's the same group that we've been playing together for a long time, and man, it feels like we've never gotten a win playing with each other. Though we have gotten a handful of them. Um, it just, it's been months now, you know, since we've gotten a dub and it's, it's starting to wear on me a little bit. I've been having to branch out and play some other video games or actually not play video games to do work. I mean, it's starting to mess with my mental a little bit, man. Yeah, I know it's, it's been a grind and we've, we've just got to get back to getting wins and we'll be fine. Once we start getting more wins on Warzone, everything's going to balance out. I promise. It's good. And, uh, and you know what? Like, I love the group that we have. You know, like, you're consistently getting kills. Um, our other third partner is always uh, good our at... Our mystery partner. <laughs> our mystery partner is good at spotting where the enemies are for us. He does a great job of getting shot. 
Um, and if we get down to the final 10 people, that's where I just step up, man. You know that, that when we get to the final part of the game, I clutch up almost every single time. So the hard part for me is just getting down to like, you know, the final five teams or so. Uh, but if we ever get there again soon, and, and I sure hope we do, like that's, that's where I shine in my Call of Duty game. I don't think I'm a great player. I'm not a great shooter, but man. You know, ice in my veins when we get down to 10 people. Ice in my veins and sweat in my palms because I just start to get super sweaty hands uh, at the end of a Call of Duty Warzone game. But yeah, it's been it's been fun and we do, we do need to get back in the win column with them for sure. But I don't think people want to hear us talk too much more about Warzone. Maybe a couple people enjoyed that. But you, uh, you have been talking a lot about this documentary that just kind of dropped on TSN's. I think you said that's hockey, right? Yes. And I, yep. I really didn't know much about it. I saw the video kind of circulating Twitter on Tuesday uh, and you said that it dropped on Tuesday and you watched it if you want to talk about it a little bit because I, I I had no idea that there was some Canucks um, related situations going on and some Canucks former Canucks players included yeah. in the documentary. Yeah, so the documentary is called The Problem of Pain, and it's by TSN. It featured on That's Hockey. I believe you can actually watch it on the TSN app. I believe you have the access to it. Uh, I think it was about half an hour to 40 minutes. I'm not too sure. I wasn't really paying attention to the time when I was watching it. Super well done. Super well put together. Really candid and really eye-opening. And yeah, like Chris said, it does feature two former Canucks, uh, Ryan Kessler and Dave Babich. Uh, They were actually... The interesting one about Babbage was, okay, sorry, I'm going to try and break this down like really simply, but you're, you have to go watch the documentary. Like everybody should watch this documentary. If you're a hockey fan, you should watch this documentary. You should know what these players are really going through because for me, I, I didn't know about Toradol and Toradol is this drug and it was really cool because what great journalism by TSN here because they had the creator of the drug, the scientist who came up with Toradol to talk about it and say, this is how NHL players are using it. Is this safe? And the creator of the drug is saying, no, this is not safe to be consumed the way that it's being consumed by NHL players. So Toradol, what is it? It is a shot. It's a painkiller that players take when you're supposed to take it when you have a short-term injury and you really need pain relief. It has the same potency as morphine, I think. Yeah, morphine. Same same potency as morphine. Sorry, I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. Um, same potency as morphine. And these players are taking it before regular season games and playoff games, like just to get going in a game. And Kyle Quincy, former Detroit Red Wings defenseman, was on the documentary as well talking about the drug. And the way he described it was, when I take the drug, I feel like I'm Superman. I feel like I can run through a wall. Nothing can stop me. You know, and that's great. That That's great when you're playing. But this is a drug that... The, I don't know which organization it is that mediates this or tells people what's safe, but it's safe to consume every five days. And like, even then that's kind of pushing it. Um, but there was a, the the documentary pointed out that, you know, NHL players are taking this up to like a hundred times in a season, not every five days. They're taking it a lot and they're taking it a lot more than they should. And it's it's kind of this culture, right? Like, we talk a lot about hockey culture, and we talk about the code and all that fun stuff. 
but it all goes back to that, right? Like being raised and, you know, we both played sports. It's, it's the same in a lot of different sports, not so much baseball, I think, because everybody's worried about your arm like breaking. Um, well, no, but, if I can just interject for a second, like, yeah, yeah. I remember growing up and playing baseball, you know, I, I played at a pretty high level, played the BC PBL, got a scholarship out of it. Like we had some good, really good players on our team and multiple pitchers that went on to, to go play in the NAIA and NCAA uh, on that team that I played on. And before every game, and I was a person who would do this as well, um, you know, the pitchers would pop six to 10 Advils right before you went out and pitched. So you couldn't hear, like, feel much pain uh, in your arm. Your your arm just wouldn't get as tired as it normally would without the painkillers. And I mean, you know, we, we started doing this when we were 13 years old. You know, this was just kind of something that, you know, going to all-star camps and going to Team BC, we saw that other kids were doing yep. this and they were saying, oh, this is, you know, helping my arm not get tired and stuff. And, you know, at the time, it's it's tough because we didn't really have a lot of education about painkillers or what painkillers can do to the body. Specifically, you know, popping 10 Advils as a 15-year-old kid uh, and going out and playing a baseball game, like, you're just thinking about, oh, my arm's going to be, you know, it's not going to hurt as much at the end of this game uh, after I go out and throw 120 pitches. My arm feels great. Uh, but, you know, like, I just, I, we weren't educated, you know, and I think that's a big problem with what's going on. And it's it's something that must have, you know, the education has definitely improved, I think, especially going into this year. In the past few years, we've definitely heard a little bit more about it. Um, but it's still a problem going on. I'm sure that pitchers are still popping Advils at, you know, in their teenage years, or I'm sure hockey players are, are popping Advils or just other sort of painkillers that are a lot stronger than Advil as well. But like, this is a thing that that kind of gets swept under the rug in a lot of sports and is something that's not mm-hmm. talked about enough. My baseball coach was a doctor, so that was not going to fly on our team. He was not yeah, going to let that sense. happen to anybody. But it, Mine was know, the opposite form- of a doctor. <laughs> as a former pitcher, I-, I did stuff like that, but it was with Tiger Balm. That was the thing I used, but enough about our former glory days. Let's keep talking about this documentary because, you know, you're absolutely right. Like, it's it's in a lot of sports, but with hockey, it's just so trumped up, right? And it's so, like, so prevalent. And they were talking about it. Like, the players were talking about it here. And, you know, Kyle Quincy was talking about Toradol and Kessler's talking about Toradol and how much he had to take it. And he talked about how it really messed with his digestive system. And now he has Crohn's disease and now he has a bunch of different health complications. And you watch the documentary and it's really just, it's it's so eye-opening, right? And Kessler's very adamant that it was Toradol that caused him all these problems. Man. It's just, you know, if if that's the case, and from from what he says, it seems like it is, man, like, they've, they've got to do an investigation on this. Because when the creator of the drug is saying that you're using it incorrectly and you're using it at dangerous amounts, there's a problem, right? And I mean, just watching that documentary, it was such an eye-opener, and I hope everybody listening to this, after you listen to our beautiful interview with Niels Hoaglander and listen to us talk about the Canucks, you should go watch it. It's on the TSN app. I think it's available. Um, so yeah, talking about Ryan Kessler there, and then Dave Babich as well. Uh, he broke his foot, and the Flyers like denied him to go get a second opinion. That's another theme you'll see in there a lot, is NHL teams denying their players from going to see a second opinion. Um, and they just have to listen to the team doctor who's paid by the team. Uh, and there's also a former team doctor on there with San Diego Gulls, the AHL affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks, who talked about how he started telling players to get second opinions. And he was telling them, oh, you might want to try CBD, like it might be safer and it might work better. Uh, and then he gets fired. And it was it, it was crazy. And then there was another player who talked about how in the AHL with one organization he played with, there was a uh, 
mandate from the organization that the trainers would get a bonus if players appeared in more games. So when he wanted to sit out of a game or when he wanted to get a second opinion, they just said no. And, you know, obviously I don't think that flies as much anymore, but that is still there, right? Like Kyle Quincy didn't play in the 70s. Like Kyle Quincy played very recently. Like this didn't happen a super long time ago. The AHL incident did because it happened when he was with the Grand Rapids Griffins, I think they're called, um, which is the like 2003 I think he was there I'm not sure when it was exactly but you get the point like it wasn't a super long time ago and then with Babbage Babbage tried to sue the Flyers and then all of his medical records just disappeared and to quote Dave Babbage former Canucks defenseman he said that his medical records vanished out of thin air and if that doesn't raise some eyebrows if this documentary doesn't raise some eyebrows I don't know what will you should go watch the documentary it was a very eye-opening and telling documentary and I encourage everybody to go watch it that's enough from me talking well, about ta- the yeah you talked me into it I'll, I'll go out and watch it I, I like I said I wasn't I didn't see the hype about it going into it uh but yeah I'll have to check it out especially if it's on the TSN app that's nice and you can check that you out should watch it yeah yeah the other thing uh before we get to too much Canucks talk um if you guys haven't noticed, uh, I think we've been tweeting about it over the past little bit. We are happy to unveil uh, a new sponsor to the show. And uh, with that, a giveaway coming up as well. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Quads? Yeah, they're going to hear the new ads that we have to record, actually. I don't know. Are, do we have to do two separate ones for Mike's Heart and Neutral Vodka Soda? I think we can knock them out in one, uh, one quick one. I'm just I'm ready to talk about the Blue Freeze, man. I'll leave that to you. But yes, the Blue Freeze. Oh my gosh. Okay, so yeah, for those that didn't know, we're sponsored now by Mike's Hard Lemonade and Neutral Vodka Soda under Labatt. That's the company that sponsors us. Beautiful. Love working with them so far. Got to go do a little uh, little promo shoot at Rogers Arena, which was fun. No alcohol on the premises, though. So we had to... I came up with the really smart idea of just going right off the property, but Rogers Arena was still in the background because the security guard came out and told us to leave. And that'd be really... Really bad for our careers if we got banned from Rogers Arena for yeah, having that one, alcohol on the you know property. What? We didn't really think that one through. We're like, hey, let's go <laughs> film an ad uh, with these beer cans that we all have. Like, we had a bunch of beer cans with us and some jerseys and neutral stuff. And we're, like, standing in front of Rogers Arena, you know, like, holding up cans of beer. Uh, and Mike's hard and, and, and neutral. And I'm thinking, like, this is a great idea at the time. And then the security guard comes up and I'm like, wait a minute, this is a this is a horrible idea. <laughs> like, to go stand <laughs> there, there with full cans of alcohol. Yeah, not the greatest idea. We did get the ad done uh, and then did some other stuff. But yeah, if you guys want to get entered to win this variety flat uh, that they set together for us, it's going to include some Mike's hard, some Mike's hard blue freeze, and a couple of different neutral flavors as well, including the neutral sevens. All you got to do is retweet this episode. Uh, we're going to be tweeting it out, obviously, from the Canucks Convo. Uh, so if you're just a listener and maybe not a guy on Twitter or a gal on Twitter, uh, just head over there and shoot the retweet. We thought this would be fun. It's going to be great to hear uh, Niels Huglander's voice as well and, and kind of hear some of the stuff that he's going through this season. Uh, and we wanted that to go through the Canucks Twitterverse, you know. So maybe shoot that a retweet and you'll be entered in to win this variety flat. Uh, and that should set you up for a nice weekend of, uh, of drinking if you do get the opportunity to win that one. Must be legal drinking age as well. I know we got people like Young Judd who tune into the show. <laughs> Sorry, buddy, we can't give you a flat uh, of alcohol you must be 19 to enter this contest but if you want to retweet the episode we do appreciate it i know young judd's won stuff in the past with us anyway so we still got to get him uh his petterson photo i believe (laughs) yeah we do actually he keeps messaging me about it we got to figure that out but anyways (laughs) let's hop into some canucks talk really quick before we cut to break here or should we just cut to break and come back with all canucks talk on the other side of the hoaglander interview 
Yeah, let's close out with Canucks Hall. Let's go right yeah. to the Huglander stuff, and then we got, um, you know, we're going to discuss some of the news about Jacob Markstrom and his contract. Uh, Tyler Toffoli's contract sounds like there's some positive things coming from that. Uh, as well, you know, Chris Tanev, we've heard a, a little bit of rumblings about him potentially going to Pittsburgh to play with his brother. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, you can throw to the Huglander interview, man. I had a lot of fun with it. I don't know about you. Yeah, me too. It was great. So here is that interview with Niels Hoaglander. On the other side of the break, you'll hear about all that conversation with the Canucks stuff. You are listening to the Canucks Conversation. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for sports cards and trading card games. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50. And now, join them for Thursday night breaks at 5 p.m. Pacific time every Thursday and be a part of an epic case break experience. Purchase your spot on ZephyrEpic.com and watch the live stream on twitch.tv slash ZephyrEpic. And for all you Canucks Conversation podcast listeners, you can save $5 off your purchase with the code CanucksConvo. Some restrictions apply. Follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All right, folks, before we go any further into the episode, we are happy to announce our newest sponsors of the Canucks Conversation podcast, Mike's Hard Lemonade and Neutral Vodka. They have a lot of awesome stuff coming up in the future, and if you have not tried it yet, it is sweeping the nation. I see it all over Twitter. I see it all over Instagram. If you're not drinking Mike's Hard Blue Freeze yet, you need to go out and try some. It's the only alcoholic beverage that my mom enjoys. It's the only alcoholic beverage that Quads enjoys, and aside from the Mike's Hard, they also have some new stuff coming up from neutral vodka they have a mango flavor that they just dropped and some other great flavors coming in with the neutral sevens neutral threes and neutral fives so whatever your type is for alcohol you know we got you covered with the mike's hard and neutral stuff be sure to follow them on all their social medias they keep a tight instagram and a smooth twitter so go out and check them out at mike's hard and at neutral vodka all right, guys, joining us now, second-round pick of the Vancouver Canucks in the 2019 draft. He is currently playing over in Sweden in the SHL, playing with Rogel. And maybe we can help, uh, maybe get some help and learn how to pronounce it correctly because we struggle to pronounce your team name. Niels Huglander, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good, thanks. That's good. Can you help us? How do you say the name of the team that you play for? Yeah, it's, it's always good, Rogler. Rogler, but, okay. But, Rogler. but it's, dif- it's different when we say it here in Sweden. It's Rogler. Regular. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to try and practice that and we'll get better at it as we go. We've been struggling to, to learn how to pronounce it. Yeah, but it's, it's, look, it's good that you said, you said right. <laughs> That's good. We've been practicing. <laughs> um, and you've been practicing as well, Niels. I know you had a, a great start to the preseason for you. You had more than a point per game in your preseason games. What was the preseason like for you? Were you happy with what you did? Yeah, I was. Uh, I had a good summer with my own. Uh, workup stuff and it's good to be be on ice again and play some preseason games and yeah score a couple of goals and get some points too and so it's fun that the season is. But I, I want to <laughs> ask you about your off season training, like what you do in the off season to train. What does your off season training look like? It looks like we have a, actually we practice with the team a lot. Hmm. Then we have a month month off. Then we need then we practice. With the, uh, yeah, just with yourself. Then I practice a lot of stick and Ian, like fun stuff that you, it's fun to practice. So, yeah, a lot of that. 
And uh, we saw some of that fun stuff, obviously, last year with some of those things. Is there, uh, I asked you before you went into the World Juniors last year, Niels, if you had any tricks up your sleeve. Uh, and in the very first game of the World Juniors, you scored possibly the nicest goal I've ever seen. Uh, what was going through <laughs> your mind after that goal? You looked like you celebrated pretty hard. Yeah, I don't know. No, it's, it's fun to do that stuff, especially when you can can score score a goal like that. So, I don't know. It's it's just just fun and it's it's good to to score too. That's good. Are you teaching your teammates that move? Because it looks like you're perfected it. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes guys want to to learn it, and I have some have some stuff I can can teach them. And Niels, one of the, the biggest differences that I'm seeing from last year to this year is um, you're actually starting to get a lot of time on the power play unit. Um, is that a spot where you think you bring the best of your hockey game? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, I like to be be down low that are playing now in the power play. So it's, it's good to get more ice time and, and be, yeah, be ready to play power play too. So, yeah. That's good. And I've seen you on the right side a little bit doing some work over there and down low around the net. Um, is, is there a spot where you really like to play? Like, cause I see you a lot of the times when they, sh- when they shoot a shot from the point, you're always like standing right in front of the goaltender. You seem to like being right in front of the net. Yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah, it's good to be in front of the net and screen the, screen the goalie, but, uh, it's, it's hard sometimes too when it's, it's like, Eric Gallinas had the best shot in the league is the one timer and a be from the net is, is sometimes it's uh, it's hard to be from the net too but uh, I should like to to play so I can shoot a little more too and use my, my shot so yeah if the coaches say where I, I'd be I'd, I'd be there <laughs> Now, Nils, we've talked a lot about the offensive side of the game, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on, I've heard you talk about it before, how important is it for you to play on the defensive side of the game almost as much as you do on the offensive side? Yeah, of course. It's it's, uh, it's hockey, so you need to, to be good and everything. So it's not the funniest thing to play, but you need to, to be good on that too. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And we've seen it. I mean, uh, it seems like a lot of the time you're very aggressive on your forecheck. You don't mind throwing the body around. Is that something that you've been trying to do? Just have a, a really high effort level and, and skate really hard when you're on the forecheck? Yeah, I will, I like to have to have a lot of speed when I forecheck and have, have speed the whole time so you don't stand still. So, yeah, of course. That's good. And um, from last year to this year, I don't know if it's just the way I've been watching, but you look like you're a lot more confident uh, in the SHL. Do you feel uh, a little bit more confident now that you're coming back into another year in the SHL? Yeah, of course. It's just one, like one game now, but it, it feels much better than, than last year. Um, yeah. It's, I go into my third season now in SHL, so it, it feels better. That's good, and I'm I'm sure that that relationship with your coaches must just be getting better every year. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, they they learn me everything every day. So watch videos, and we talk about small things and big things. So I'm happy for that. 
Is there one thing this year that you're looking to work on? Because I know when we talked last year, the big thing was defense. That's what you said you wanted to work on a lot on defenses. I'm wondering, now that you're coming into your third year, do you think you want to put up more points? Because you obviously had a good start to the season. You had the two points in your very first game. Um, is that something that you want to do this year? Maybe have a little bit more offense now? Yeah, of course. Uh, as we talked about before, I played, played a lot of more minutes now in the power play. And you do... It's easier to do points when you play, yeah, play power play and play more minutes. So, uh, yeah, I think so. Niels, when you were out in Vancouver for the draft last year, I'm curious what your thoughts of the city were. How did you like Vancouver? I like it really much. I would say I, I'm up north from Sweden. And it, it, it's pretty the same. Like when the winter is snow and summer, you can yeah can go out and fish and out in the forest so and the city was so so nice too so yeah i like it and uh we saw a lot of fishing pictures on your instagram Niels. did you did you catch any big ones this summer uh i don't know i catch a big pike but that's that's not the funniest <laughs> fish to catch so uh yeah which one is the, your the small, favorite? The fish? small one is big too. Okay, I don't know what you call it. Call it in English, so <laughs> I just can't say pike. Pike? Yeah, no, that's good. We got those here, so yeah. that's good. You'll have to catch some salmon when you get over here, man. You're gonna you're gonna love it over here, and potentially uh, you have a two month loan right now with Rogel. Um, at the end of that, are you looking to come to Vancouver and try and play in the NHL as soon as possible? Yeah, yeah, of course. That's uh, yeah. I will. That's that's got to be the goal for you, I guess. Is that something that you kind of wanted yeah. to do this year? Yeah, of course. I will start now in, in regular two months and do my best here and help the team to win. And then I will go. Yeah, we go to Vancouver and see see if I can take take players in the team and and I will do my best. That's good. And you're you're landing in a good spot. I mean, Vancouver has a lot of Swedish players. Have you talked to any of those guys recently? Uh, no, actually not. I haven't, so <clears throat> I'm looking forward to that. Excellent. Well, I'm sure they'll welcome you in, and your Swedish skill will fit right in with them. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so. Yeah, I think so, too. And I guess the way that you're looking into this season now in the SHL, um, how is it uh, you kind of completely switched up line mates from last year, so what's it like playing with these new line mates? Yeah, I think it's I play with good players now, and they help me to do the the points I have did and, and the scores I have scored, so uh, I play with good players and it's uh, I like that. Uh, we'll see now what's, what's happening with the lineup and what I play with, but uh, yeah, it's just, just play and, and have fun, so that you think it's coming. Yeah, it's, it looks like you're having a lot of fun. You guys scored six goals in your first game. That's always fun. Yeah, yeah the team is, is flying, so yeah, we have fun. That's good. And for you, do you feel that you guys have one of the stronger teams in the league this year? It looks like you guys are starting to play really good hockey. Yeah, and I think so. It's looking good the f- first game and under the preseason too. So it's going to be fun to see see what we can do this season. Absolutely, and uh, it's going to be fun for us. I've been waking up early to watch your games uh, over here in Vancouver. It's a very different <laughs> time zone, but it's been a lot of fun yeah. to watch you guys play so far. And uh, and I I like the you're getting an opportunity on that first power play. I mean, you're getting out there to to have a lot of power play time. 
And I'm just, I'm wondering, is there anything that you kind of wanted to work on a little bit more there? Because you talked about maybe you want to score some more points and some more goals this year. Now that it's your third year in the SHL, uh, I'm sure that a lot of those points and goals are going to come on the power play with you playing on the right side there. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, just be around the net and close the eyes for the goal and yeah, just shoot more. Shoot and everything and going to go in so and in the power play the easiest things is the best thing so don't don't do anything like hard passes so so the defense can break it so yeah play easy and simple and 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 shoot so i think i can put in some goals and points too yeah most definitely niels can we talk about um the shootout attempt that you had the other day i saw you go through your legs on a shootout what was going through your mind there (laughs) trying something new (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, I just heard a coach said my name, and it was a preseason game, and I I want to do something fun, but yeah. But you missed the uh, net. Are you going to make sure that it goes net, in next so. time? <laughs> I don't know. I will not pull anything, but uh, maybe. Nils, I'm curious. What's your go-to move on the shootout on the breakaway? Because with Elias Patterson here, we see the one where he stops up right before and just stick handles it right past the goaltender. I'm curious what your go-to move is. <laughs> I don't know actually. It's sometimes it's just because I do do something between my leg and whatever. I, I don't know actually. I've, uh, there was a couple of plays in your first game that I saw where you actually were using your feet almost like a stick, like you were stick handling with your feet at times. Uh, is that something that you work on in the off season? Just kind of maybe like kicking a soccer ball around or working on skills like that? I'm so bad with a football with my feet, so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not that. But I think on the ice, it's, it feels good when I when I can have the puck like between my feet and protect them. With the puck, if I lose the puck, I can pick it up with my with my skate. So it's important to have have that skills too, and and yeah, everything. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It, it helps big time. It's like having another stick on the ice with you when you start to use your skates. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. of the things that people love to see when you got drafted were some of these workout videos that you do. Is there one of your favorite workouts that you get to do that uh, that you do in the off season a lot, Niels? Uh yeah, uh, I do a lot of like stick handling things and uh, yeah, with with the balls around the feet and and just have fun. It's not it's not hard to do that. It's, you don't you don't get tired of it. So yeah, uh, we can do it. <laughs> yeah, do it a lot. That's good. Did you um did you see any of the or hear any news about the Canucks in the playoffs? They went on a good playoff run this year. Uh, guys like Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser and Quinn Hughes, the young core. I mean, they looked really good in in their first playoff experience. Uh, did you follow that at all this year? Yeah, of course, a little bit. It's it's hard to watch it with yeah, the different times in Sweden, yeah. but I I watched the highlights and you know a couple of games. So uh, it was. Yeah, they did a really good job. And on the topic of that, Niels, how excited are you to potentially be joining this young core that's kind of on the uprise right now? Well, I'm excited. It should be really fun. Uh, that's that's my goal. So I just want to play so good hockey here I can in Sweden and and go over and can't wait to see see what see what's happening. 
And Niels, I know that there's a lot of young Swedish players around in the SHL right now. Um, you're not going to be able to be at the World Juniors this year. Last year was your final one. But um, what do you think when you see some of these 18- and 19-year-old kids in the SHL? Are they going to be good for Sweden at the World Juniors? Yeah, I think so and hope so. Uh, we had a good good year last year with the World Juniors. So uh, I think and I, I hope the, the Swedish players can do something good this year too and it's it's some good top players in in the league now, mm-hmm. young guys. So yeah, and um, it's the World Junior Championship tournament is in in Canada. It's absolutely massive. Everybody watches it. Everybody wakes up at two in the morning if it's over in Sweden or in Finland or wherever it's held. Um, is it sort of similar in Sweden? Does everybody wake up and watch the World Juniors? <laughs> it is, but I think it's it's bigger in in Canada. Mm-hmm. Hockey, hockey in Sweden is it's big, but not like that big that it is in in Canada. But it's a it's a fun game to watch too. The junior hockey and it can yeah, it's it's fun to watch. So yeah, many many people watch it there too. Yeah, did you learn anything from the World Juniors last year, Niels? Like, is there something that you're playing against some of the best players of your age at the time? Did you learn anything about your game? I just was in the moment and and had fun. I don't know if I learned learned something like hockey things or something. It was, it was so fun to play, and I, I was just in the in the tournament and had had fun. So I take that from the from the World Juniors. So Niels, you talk a lot about having fun and playing hockey. I'm wondering what's more fun for you: <clears throat> assisting on a goal or catching a massive fish? <laughs> that is hard. <laughs> no. It's, it's, it's of course hockey, but fishing is, is something I do a lot. So, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, that one's just a little bit less fun, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I tell you, like it, you get the heart pumping, you know, when you get a big fish on the line, it's 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 a lot of fun too. So it's it's kind of a toss up for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so. And Niels, you, you said you've been to Vancouver before. Obviously, you'll get a chance to come over here in December. Um, is there something that you're excited to get back here more? I mean, you're going to get to skate with NHL players. That must be something that's got to be exciting for you. Yeah, of course. I'm going to be nervous, too, I, I think. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to do that. And, yeah, and that's good. Play play with the best players and, like, yeah, compete with them. So, uh, I'm excited. and. Uh, happy that I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to get you here too. And <laughs> Niels, you've you've scored the lacrosse type goal from behind the net. I think every season that you've played in the SHL uh in your first two years, are you gonna score one this year, do you think? <laughs> I hope I have can get a chance that I can try it, but <laughs> it's <laughs> it's hard to do it. But I I I'm gonna try one more so yeah. No doubt. Hope so. And I guess you got to watch some highlights. You must have seen a lot of Elias Patterson in the playoffs. What did you think of him? I mean, he's so young, and he was one of the best players in the playoffs this year. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's good every time when he have the puck and without the puck. I remember his his place from Sweden too. He's like no no one can take the puck from him, and mm. he makes so good passes, a playmaker, and his shot too. Is yeah. He's so good. <laughs> we saw him doing some commercials. Is is he becoming a little bit of a superstar in Sweden? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, he's starting to become one over here as well, actually. So that's been good. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, that's got to be exciting for you to to kind of have that as a goal in December when you have the opportunity to come over to to Vancouver. And and I know the the NHL season's not really a hundred percent sure when it's going to start yet. But for you, how nice is it to just get into play? I mean, with with what was going on in the world with the coronavirus or COVID, whatever you want to call it, it it, it seemed like a lot of these seasons might not be able to start. But uh, you guys have been able to start your season. That must be pretty exciting for you, right? Especially with how scary the virus was. Yeah, of course. Uh, but we we don't have any fans at this at this time. But <clears throat> that's pretty. Uh, it's not the same that we don't don't have that. But it's it's good for the for the world. Uh, so it's it's different to play, but we do our best and, and play. Yeah, no doubt. It's been a lot of fun to watch you guys. Hopefully, a lot of people are tuning in online. Anyways, um, Niels. There's a time when we're watching you on the ice and you're absolutely flying down the wing and and you don't you're not afraid to lay the body at all. Is that something that you're going to try and do now that you're another year older? Because at times we saw the 18 and 19 year old Niels uh, as a guy who was you know doing a lot of hitting and a lot of body checking. But I feel like you might be bigger and stronger this year. Is that something that you want to do more? Yeah, of course. Uh, yes, protected it too. It's it's much better when you get strong and. Like a duo hit or a follower hit and take away, take away guys. So yeah, I, I, I will do that too. And, um, we recently saw somebody wrote a, wrote a scouting report about you and they said that you weren't very physical, but I've watched you play a lot and you look pretty physical. What do you say to people that say that you're too small to be a physical player? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can be so small, but, uh, if you have, Use your body and go go into the battle and and win the puck. Doesn't matter how big you are or how small you are. If you if you get a puck and take away the guys, so I would say it doesn't matter how small you can be if you if you get a puck and win the puck. Yeah, we call that a short king over here uh, in North America. It's a it's a term <laughs> that we use. Yeah. Um, and I, I I watch you do that sometimes, and the way that you seem to do it is. Uh, you don't just use your body, you use your stick at the same time. And I think that's something that you do very well uh, to get the puck away from the guy is you come in, you use your body, but you also use your stick. Is that something that you focus on? Yeah, a little bit. When I don't can take away the, like the, if I meet a big guy, big guy, I can't take, take away him. So I need to do something else to get a puck. So I need to work, work with, with my and with my body at the same time so if I just get a puck I'm happy yeah no doubt and I guess you know Niels we can we can kind of wrap it up here you you had two assists in your big first game uh, a big win for you guys a 6-4 win uh, and we're excited to see your season go on and very excited to see what happens when you do get a chance to come to Vancouver. Um, so Canucks fans are all very excited for you to come to Vancouver. We wish you the best of luck uh, going on to this season this year. And we can't wait to hear from you in December. You might be a Christmas present for Canucks fans if you get to come over here and play. <laughs> yeah, yeah that should, should be fun to me too. Awesome. It might be a Christmas present for you too. You can come over and play in Vancouver. Yeah, of course. <laughs> awesome, Niels. Well, thank I'm you very excited. much. Yeah. yeah. Have a good rest of the week and, uh, and a good rest of the season, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. And a huge thank you to Niels Hoaglander of Regla.
in the SHL for joining us on this week's episode. Wonderful conversation. And Chris, man, I was talking to my brother about this. You're really good at getting these guys to open up and kind of, you, you I don't know, you make everything not awkward, even though it was kind of hard to understand what he was saying at times. And I'm sure it was hard for him to understand us at times. It was, it was good. You did a good job. You know what? Like he, he gave a hundred percent effort, I think, in answering the questions. English is, is something that he's working on. And, and I hope people weren't expecting him to give, you know, three minute answers on everything or, or 10 minute answers like a Kevin Woodley would a couple weeks ago on the show. But I mean, like he, I think he was trying to get to the point. So I think he did a good job. And I think his English is only improving, right? I mean, he's a guy who wants to stick here in North America for a long time. So he's only going to improve in that aspect of things. And, and he is trying, you know, I've, I've talked to the agent, um, and that's something that Niels is kind of focusing on off the ice right now is, you know, he's, he's got to try and work on his English a little bit so he can fit in. But right now, I think that he's getting a decent understanding of the language and, and I wouldn't be too, too worried about him, you know, like coming in like I would be with a pod Colson whose English is, is a lot worse and needs a lot of work right now. But um, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm expecting some exciting things from this kid. And like we said uh, in the interview, he could be a nice little Christmas present uh, for Canucks fans around that time. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get him back on the show before he's swept up by Canucks PR. We can never get him on the podcast ever again. Because <laughs> once these guys go to the show, we can't get them. That's why we can get the AHL people, but that's why we can't get NHL players. So we gotta we'll have to have him back on. And I, like I said, we still gotta have Nikita Triampkin on the show. Yeah, we can definitely try for Triampkin for sure. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to say, and I, we didn't really talk about it much in the interview, but I was speaking with a source uh, around Niels Huglander a little bit and talking to some scouts as well who had the same feeling from it. And a lot of them were saying that, you know, and you could kind of hear it in Huglander's voice when we were talking about coming to Vancouver. From what I've heard, if the AHL season is going, it's it's something that's really in, in consideration right now for Niels Huglander. I mean, if he wants to come and play in the NHL for a long term, the AHL is a nice step up from the SHL, and that's a potential thing to happen for them. I know that everybody wants to see him uh, be in a Canucks jersey, but the thing is, you know, if he's not quite ready in December, there might be a spot for him in the AHL. And, and just from what I've heard uh, out of his camp and around his camp and from scouts that are around him, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see him actually be interested in playing AHL games. I know that was something that was talked about a little bit when he was signed, and that idea was kind of shot down, but I guess the sentiment has changed uh, out of Huglander's camp, and a lot of people are saying that you know he is he could be very interested uh, in playing in North America, even if that is in the AHL. That's really interesting stuff, and I mean, I, I really hope that's the case. I mean, I, th- I think the best the best thing for most of these prospects is to, you know, play some time in the AHL, but then again, we see what happened with Palmu, and we see what happened with Dolan, and just like, that was not the best scenario for them, and I mean, it, it's a little different because, you know, when they're getting seasoned in the AHL, they're getting seasoned to play for Travis Green, right? And I mean... You know, not playing in your own end and not understanding the defensive side of the game, you're just not going to last long with the Canucks. Like, we we even see it with Jake Vertanen, who has so many offensive gifts. Like, it, it's just, it's not somebody that Travis Green really wants to deal with. And I mean, I think that's kind of what we see in Utica there. But I mean, I don't know. Like, what do you think is the best case scenario for Hoaglander? Do you think it's better for him to play in the SHL till he's NHL ready? Or do you think it's better for him to come to the AHL first? 
I think it. I think it, there's definitely options at both, and I think it's going to be how he's deployed in the AHL to say if that's a better league for him to be in. I mean, hmm. he he would have the out clause if he goes to the AHL as well. He can even play in a few games and still dip back to the SHL if if things aren't working out. But yeah, 10. like in all honesty, let's let's look at it right now. Like let's look at what the AHL could potentially have down there. It's guys like Jonah Gadjevich, Cole Lind on the wing. Um, you know, Justin Bailey might be back and be on the wing. If Huglander goes down there and is already playing top pairing minutes, or sorry, top line minutes and playing on the power play, he he seriously could be one of the first players that gets called up. Like he he would step into that AHL team and probably be above a guy like Cole Lind, above a guy like Reed Boucher or Nikolai Goldobin was last year. Like he would be the first winger to get called up to play in a top nine situation for the Vancouver Canucks. He would be the best option uh, to contribute at the NHL level, I think, just from watching him play. And and the big difference from Huglander, and, and Pod Colson's another example of it, but these guys are strong two-way players. I mean, they're full of effort. They're absolute coaches' dreams, the way that they practice and and play the games like with 100% effort on every single shift. So I think that him going down to the AHL level, if he does get you know, put on some third and fourth lines, then maybe it's better for him to go back to the SHL and he can entertain that option that's in his contract to go and do that. But if he gets down there and, you know, maybe he's on a first line with with a guy like Cole Lynn and potentially they go out and, you know, use Mark Michaelis, uh Michaelis? I always forget how to say his name, but if they have him the as Michaelis? the first line center, Michaelis, yeah. And then, so if they have like Michaelis, Cole Lind, and Niels Huglander as their first line, I mean, that's, that's got to excite not only Comets fans, but I think Canucks fans a lot because that's a line that actually has some potential guys that could make a jump into the NHL in the future. Like, I'm not going to go out and say Michaelis is the guy who's going to be, or Michaelis, I'm still bad with that name, <laughs> but like, I, I'm not saying that he's going to be an NHL player for sure. And I'm not even saying Cole Lind is going to be an NHL player for sure either, but like those type of players, Players are still young prospects and if that's what you have on your first line in the AHL then you have a lot of excitement from the NHL just knowing that the guy that you're calling up who's playing first line time in the AHL for you happens to also be like under the age of 23 24 so that's a way different thing than we've seen from the Canucks in the past and we're starting to see this draft and develop thing come to fruition with the Vancouver Canucks because for so long the AHL team was you know guys that were no-name players guys that were AHL players who were forced into NHL action now we're seeing prospects who are playing in the AHL forced into NHL action if they do have some injuries and that's that's an exciting situation for the Canucks and I think that's why the situation has kind of changed a little bit with Niels Huglander maybe he's looked at like oh wait a lot of these guys that were drafted around me or you know in similar spots or a couple years ahead of me they're also playing in the AHL right now right like Gadjevich will be there Cole Lind will be there Jet Wu potentially be there Olia Levy might be there like there's there's a lot of options and that's why the AHL season man like the Canucks really need the AHL to be up and running um, when the NHL season comes back because like I know the AHL is is looking at right now at only having potentially two thirds or, or half of the teams participate in the AHL just because of some teams and some organizations and the Utica Comets happen to be one uh, just don't have the payroll to be able to withstand you know going and not having any fans in the stands. I mean, a lot of these teams in the AHL rely upon the concession and they rely upon people filling the stands so that they can, you know, be a profitable organization. And if you're not going to get handouts from the NHL teams, which I really don't think is going to happen. Um, you could see a lot of teams not be in the AHL next year, but you might end up seeing, you know, maybe a 15 to, to 20 team league next year. And from what I've heard, the comments would not be one of those 15 to 20 teams just simply because they wouldn't make enough money uh, just playing. So that that's a scary thought, but hopefully the AHL can get up and running because it's a it's a huge year, not only for Niels Huglander and the prospects, but looking at other guys like Cole Lynn and Gadjevich and these guys. 
Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy, and it would be unbelievable if the Comets were a team that didn't play, because then what do all these guys do, right? Like, we've seen, we've heard about a lot of guys already looking in Europe, looking in the SHL, seeing what the situation's like over there in case there is no hockey here for the AHL. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe we'll, we'll have Cole Lind. What? Just to cut in, like, did you see what the LA Kings did today? Was it five prospects they loaned to uh, a Switzerland league? Did not see that, nope. Yeah, so they they loaned five players. I, I I might be wrong with which league it was, but I believe it was the Switzerland First League. Uh, guys like Akil Thomas and, and Tyler Madden and these guys, they all got loaned to that team, um, potentially just to practice with them, but it would be interesting to see if they get into games as well. Wow. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard about that. But you know who we should have on the show is Cole Lind. Let's talk to him about it. I think that'd be that'd be fun if we had him back on the show, just kind of talk about it. I think that'd be a good guess for us to get in the next couple yeah. of weeks here. And we have uh, mentioned another name as well, who's, you know, we can announce it since we've done the interview already, but Jonah Gajevich, uh, who I just yes. said his name a couple of times, he'll be on the show on Saturday as well. And that, man, like, I, I've never spoken with um, with Jonah Gajevich before. He's been a guy who's been hard for me to actually track down and get in contact with. Um, but we did, and we finally got the interview done. And man, 30 plus minutes with this guy, a very intellectual player. I mean, the way that he looks at trying to improve his body with his workouts and his diet and the way that he looks at hockey and trying to improve. It was, it was an excellent conversation. You guys are going to get that on Saturday here on the Canucks conversation. So that's another fun episode. That's really exciting. I'm excited to hear it. I haven't heard the interview yet. I wasn't a part of that one, but that's fine. I think that's enough comments talk though, Chris, let's hop into some Canucks talk. You wrote an article today. I edited it for Canucks army about some news and notes with the Canucks. And I mean, Let's start in the crease and work our way out, shall we? So first there's Jacob Markstrom, and I mean, this is pretty quick because there's really nothing new to report. The Canucks and Jacob Markstrom remain far apart on a deal. They're not close, and it's looking more and more like Jacob Markstrom really could reach free agency, and a lot of people have suggested that if they get, if they allow him to reach free agency, he's not coming back because he's going to have plenty of suitors and he's going to have a lot of people who want to pay a lot of money for him and keep him there long term to get him on their team. And I mean, some of the names thrown out there, we see the Detroit Red Wings. I can't see Markstrom wanting to sign with them. The Calgary Flames, the Edmonton Oilers, like Edmonton might be a pretty promising place for Markstrom, right? Like you look at what Edmonton's building there and they've got you know, Leon Dreisel, Connor McDavid, like, why would you not want to play behind those guys? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it's Edmonton, but you know, there's a lot of suitors is my point. And even the Leafs are in the mix. Cause of course they are. And yeah, I think that's, that's the main thing with Markstrom. I mean, do you have much to add to that? Well, I think the big one that I saw when I, when I heard rumored teams was the Carolina hurricanes. I mean, that's a team that mm-hmm. it, I think they have $7.7 million tied up in their goaltending situation right now. So it's a little bit tough for them to go out and sign Markstrom, but if they're able to shake down one of those two guys um, and get Jacob Markstrom in, he is an incredible fit uh, with a team like the Carolina hurricanes. I mean, the way that they play the coaching staff that they have, um, I think he would be a guy who would fit there. And, and that's the the problem right now is I, you know, I heard, I think I heard Rick Dollywall tweeting or talking about it or tweeting about it or doing something, but he was, uh, you know, talking about $6 million is what the camp is kind of looking for. That's kind of the number that the Canucks are having a problem with. And it's, it's something to do with the $6 million. It's something to do with the Canucks wanting to have no protection for him in the expansion draft, which is something that Mm -hmm. Jacob Markstrom and his agent want. And, you know, that's, that's definitely a couple things that could, could really shake down and say that maybe this deal doesn't get done. And I think the Canucks have probably put into the consideration quite a bit to say like, you know, is this Thatcher Demko time? And they've probably thought about that and weighed out both ends of the option. And now it's almost like you might be forced into Thatcher Demko time, which might not be the worst thing, right? But you, you're you not getting an NHL starter 
a proven NHL starter with a guy like Thatcher Demko. You're still rolling the dice a little bit, even though he's been, you know, progressing throughout his career, you're still rolling the dice a little bit because he hasn't been a guy who's been able to play, you know, up to like 50 games in a season. Right. So it's, it's going to be an interesting situation, but I mean, it's, it sounds like they're pretty far apart. And I think hearing, hearing some people report on it, it's, it's been a conversation that Canucks have been trying to have for up to 18 months now. And, you know, they're not really getting much closer at this point. And there's, I think eight, 16 days left, right. Until he hits free agency. So this, this needs to happen soon before we actually really need to talk about it. Jacob Markstrom potentially being on a different team than the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. And I mean, on the topic of that, it's funny you bring up the Carolina Hurricanes because one thing we've talked about a lot is if Markstrom leaves, the Canucks need to get a 1B goaltender for Thatcher Demko. It's something I talked about with Kevin Woodley. It's something you and I have talked about quite a bit. Like Michael DiPietro isn't ready to be an NHL backup yet. He shouldn't be put in that position at this point in his career. The Canucks need to get somebody who can start games if Thatcher Demko were to go down with an injury or if Thatcher Demko didn't live up to the challenge next year. Now, This is a season that could have travel, and it's going to be a condensed schedule. That's going to be tough, and it means you're going to have to have two good goaltenders. So when I look at the Canucks situation, and we see some UFAs coming out, like Rick Dollywell of TSN 1040 reported today that Braden Holpe has the Canucks on his list. And Braden Holpe is a UFA, the Caps probably aren't going to get him back, and he's got... He's coming off a pretty down year, so I don't know, he's probably going to be getting a lot, right? Like, you have to think... Holtby's not going to want to go into a situation where he could end up as a backup, right? So, I mean, I don't see Holtby in the Canucks being a potential fit, but there's a lot out there. And, I mean, on the topic of Carolina, Chris, I wanted to ask you, like, we, we've talked about what happens if you trade the rights for Jacob Markstrom, right? And, I mean, we when you look at the precedent for that, it looks like the most they could get is, like, a fifth, maybe a fourth-round pick, right? Because he can still be – he's still a UFA, right? So, if they trade him to Carolina, but subsequently they're taking off a goaltender off their hands, right? Like, say Carolina sends over one of James Reimer or Peter Morazic, right? Do the Canucks then get a better pick in return as well on top of that goaltender? Like, like what is what does the market really look like for Jacob Markstrom when it comes to the trade market? Because, I mean, the place I see a fit for that to happen is Carolina. Because, like you said, they've got $7 million tied up in both their goaltenders. And, I mean, the Canucks are going to need a 1B. Peter Morazic's played well, and Reimer's been all right everywhere he's gone, it seems like. But, you know, like, wh- what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's... I mean, like, yeah, we've talked about... I think we've had some questions and people ask like, what would Jacob Markstrom's trade value be? And like we've said in the past, it's, it's not a lot just to have the rights to be able to, to negotiate with him early is not huge, but yeah, the, the Carolina situation, I mean, if they're going to want to dump one of these guys, um, you know, specifically if it's going to be James Reiner, I think, I think Reimer's making just under three and a half million dollars. Um, and if they want to dump that three and a half million dollars and want to throw in a pick, to get Jacob Markstrom and get the rights done. I'm sure that a contract would need to be something that's talked about uh, before the trade gets done. You know, maybe it's a sign and oh, trade sure. situation with Jacob Markstrom. Um, but if they can, if they can nail that down, I mean, I could see the Canucks potentially like, it's so hard to say how much um, a contract value is worth. Cause what it was uh, Patrick Marlowe was making $6 million. He fetches a first round pick um, James Reimer. I mean, if they're going to trade for the rights to Markstrom and James Reimer, you think that they would include, you know, two, you know, $3.4 million has got to be worth a second or a third round pick. And then you also get, you kind of have to throw on top of that, that that's the rights to, you know, negotiate with Markstrom. But in that situation, it would probably be a contract that's already signed. So you, you would think that, you know, there'd have to be something in the third, 
I think around a third round pick value to take on a contract with James Reimer, which actually might help the Canucks a little bit to have a guy that though he's probably getting overpaid for the position that he's going to have to play. He's a guy who's been around the NHL a little bit and can be a one B, not really a one B, but actually like a backup to Thatcher Demko. So that that's an interesting spot. And I think that that's something that, you know, hasn't been talked about a lot, but could be actually a, a decent landing spot and could actually work out well for the Vancouver Canucks in this situation. I must say I don't love the idea of Thatcher Demko getting hurt and James Reimer having to step in and start the next 10 games. Like, I think that could really derail the Canucks season. But, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Nothing set in stone yet. Maybe Jacob Markstrom resigns. We'll wait and see. But on the next piece of news there that we're talking about is Chris Tanev reuniting with his brother Brandon in Pittsburgh. You know how much Jimmy Rutherford loves his Tanevs because... Today, uh, The Athletic in Pittsburgh, those writers who Elliot Friedman, and I quote, said were well-connected, yes, that's what he said, He, they said that apparently the Penguins are ready to offer Chris Tanev a five-year deal in the range of $5 million, and Chris... That's just something that the Canucks can't even go near. Like, they can't go anywhere near that number for Tanev. They, yeah, they can't go by, like, close to either of those numbers, right? They can't go close to five years, and they can't go close to five million. Um, like I've said, I've said it for a long time, and people used to rip me on it on Twitter. Like, Chris Tanev is going to get a raise if he hits free agency. He's making 4.45. He will be making a raise if he goes to free agency, and this is a perfect example of that. Um, Jim Rutherford obviously could be a guy who's interested, and yeah, Rob Rossi and Josh Yo of the Athletic. I mean, those you know those are names that you hear quite a bit about when they are breaking stories. So I, there has to be a little bit of truth. I mean, when there's smoke, potentially there's fire here. So it, and the the five year deal would line up exactly with. Brandon Tanev's deal because he signed a six-year deal at the beginning of last free agency. So, you know, they both play for five years together. That There's there's some legs to this story, I think, a little bit. Um, but we also heard Rick Dollywall again. He's up to his business. It's Dollywall season right now. Uh, the Penguins, Toronto Maple Leafs, and another mystery team have all been apparently connected to Chris Tanev and looking to sign his... Uh, sign him and bring him in for a deal. And yeah, I mean, like if you're getting this much free agent interest, I'm sorry, but you're going to, you you should not be able to keep up with what these free agent teams are going to be able to pay Chris Tanev. And it's, you know, I, I think right now it's time to start saying, you know, it was great watching Chris Tanev's career in Vancouver, but um, from what we've heard and what we're seeing, I, I do have to lean towards, I think it's over. I think we've seen Chris Tanev play his last game in a Vancouver Canucks jersey. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you there. And I mean, there's a lot of people wondering why this isn't considered tampering. And <laughs> tampering, a lot of Canucks fans know all about that with Jim Benning recently. Um, it's not tampering because <laughs> despite the team sources being cited by the reporters, not by name, they're just saying sources with the team, it didn't come from a GM, so there's no tampering. It didn't come from an official statement. It didn't come when somebody was on the record. It, 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 it that's why it's not tampering. So yeah. the question and is, the way that, sorry, the way that they're reporting it is, you know, like they're reporting that they plan to use the idea of yes. uniting the Tanev brothers and plan to use the lower cost of living in Pittsburgh to be some of the driving forces in negotiations. So even though it is the media reported, they're also making sure that no tampering uh, is going to come out of this. Yes, so the question needs to be asked, why hasn't Jim Benning told us, been like, yeah, we tell tell everybody, Quads, why didn't he say to me, Quads, I need you to tell everybody that we're going to go after Alex Petrangelo. And I'll be like, okay, Jim, no problem. You, Then he can be like, you didn't hear it from me, so you can't charge me with tampering. I said it, so there you go. 
There you go. You're going to come out and say that on the show. That's That would have legs, man. A lot of people are talking about this Petrangelo possibly coming to Vancouver. I'm sorry. It's just it, it can't happen uh, with the no. cap going out of Vancouver. No. I've seen a lot of people like you know floating the idea of like, oh, if they don't sign to Foley and, and Tanev, you know, they can go out and get Petrangelo. But like, man, like you have a right shot guy already in, in Tyler Myers who's making $6 million. And unfortunately, you can't go out and sign another guy like Petrangelo is going to be looking at, you know, I, I would say if he hits free agency over $7.5 million per year. Yeah, and I mean, it's too bad that they didn't wait to sign. Like, if they didn't sign Myers last offseason, sure, maybe they could have signed Petrangelo, who's a better defenseman, but that's not the case, right? And I mean... I just don't see it happening. I don't know if it's a great move either way. Like, you know, it dep- I'd have to see what the contract looks like and everything. But, man, you look at Eric Carlson in the first year of that deal, right? Like, nobody thought Eric Carlson could fall off. And now San Jose stuck with that contract, right? And, I mean, it just – I don't know. It's it's a crappy situation for them. And, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think Vancouver has learned their lesson about going big on free agents and just, you know, I think the focus now, and rightfully so, needs to be – in free agency, fill out your bottom six, fill out, you know, the parts of your lineup with actual talented two-way players, right? Like, don't go for leadership. They have the leadership now. You don't need character guys. And I mean, like, true bottom six guys. Like, go after a guy like Philip Deneau. Go after, you know, different guys. Don't go after a Louis Erickson in free agency. I just, I don't know. Like, I think when you look at what happens when teams sign free agents, like, it, it typically doesn't end super well, right? Yeah, no, I know I agree with that. And yeah, I mean, you have guys coming in now that, you know, you have a lot of players in your prospect pipeline. We saw Craig Button tweet out his top 10 of the Canucks prospects on Tuesday as well. And I think that we we see like some of these players are really going to make an impact soon. You know, the definitely the top two guys are going to be playing in the NHL within the next calendar year uh, in the year of 2021, at least it is, which by the way, I cannot wait to get to that year because 2020 is ass so far. Um, but I mean, like you look at some guys like Cole Lindy might hit Jonah Gadjevich who heal from on Saturday um, and just certain other prospects that make a lot of sense. And guys like McDonough who might be able to take a jump and fill in your bottom six. You don't need to go out and sign these guys now. Right. I mean, unless, you know, the, the big focus for them would have to be, be that third line center if you don't believe Adam Gaudet can be a two-way guy um, that's a focus that the Canucks are probably looking at right now so I, I think that yeah I think that he's learned his lesson in free agency and we'll start to see how this team shapes out a little bit specifically when we get the big contracts for Hughes and Pedersen then I mean everything's going to fall into place after that or you're going to have to hope that it falls into place but um, the final one and I know that you talked about it, I think last week on the show or potentially two weeks ago, that you thought that Tyler Mott might end up being the first one of the RFAs to get signed, or even UFAs as well. But what we've heard a lot more rumblings of, and Satyar Shah was pretty adamant about it, um, Tyler Toffoli might be the first contract that we signed for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I know. I've Man, and you know what? That's interesting because before I, or sorry, after I said that, it also came out that the Canucks plan, what the other GMs are hearing from the Canucks is that their plan is to try and see how many of their big three free agents they can sign and then work backwards from there. I actually have an article about that dropping. Actually, it should be out on Wednesday morning. So if you're listening to this, the article should be out on Canucks Army, just kind of analyzing what each scenario would look like for the Canucks cap-wise, how much they'd have to play with before signing any RFAs, before burying anybody in the minors. Like I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, with that information of, we're going to look at what we can do with these big three free agents, how many of them they can get signed, and what it would mean for their plans going forward. And I mean, the one that makes the most sense to me, and I mean, if you're going to walk away from anybody, it's obviously going to be Tanev, 
But if they walk away from Tanev and Markstrom, which is a bold move, do not get me wrong, that's a bold move. But if they do that, there is a lot of cap space there for them to actually improve the team. Like, they could really improve the blue line, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they could go out and get a Dylan DeMello. They could trade for some guys who could really help them improve in a lot of different areas. And I mean, it's interesting because I still think this team needs Jacob Markstrom going into next year. Like, I man, after that conversation with Woodley a few weeks back, like, that, that was a big factor in me saying this. Like, that changed my mind because... I I don't want to see the Canucks lock him up for long term because the position just fluctuates way too much. But man, like going into next year, if you want to make the playoffs, Jacob Markstrom gives you the best chance of that. It's just long term, walking away is probably the best option. Yep, and I mean walking away turns into quickly the best option if if Jacob Markstrom does not come down from six million dollars in five years and a, and a no movement clause. Right? I mean like that. That is very tough for the Vancouver Canucks to sign. I know he's been their MVP for the past two years, but you need to be able to have a little bit of flexibility going into the expansion draft. You need to be able to to have him under control at a rate that's not crazy when he's starting to turn 34, 35, 36 years old. So, yeah, if, if the money's too much and the term is too long and you're – you can't, you know, expose him potentially in the expansion draft if Demko were to take off after his performance in the playoffs next season. Like, you just, you have to unfortunately walk away from your back-to-back MVP of this team. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, it, when it gets to that point, it'll get there and we'll talk about it. We'll have an emergency podcast the minute Jacob Markstrom gets signed. I'm excited to bring back the emergency combos, man, because those were fun. The last one we did was when Tyler Toffoli got traded to the Canucks. And I mean, I miss it because... Man, since then, it has been a grind, and a lot has changed since then. So I'm looking forward to our first emergency convo. But before we wrap up here, Chris, do you have anything you want to add? Yes, I do. My prospects report. Um, oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so I don't have much to add about the prospects. Uh, Vasily Pod Colson, hashtag free pods, is still in order. Um, you know, he played six minutes the other day. So, yeah, it's it's getting worse, unfortunately, better quicker than it's getting better. Sorry, I had a nice... sorry. I don't mean to cut off your prospect report, but Igor Larionov is going to go watch Vasily Pod Colson play, and then he's going to talk to Pod Colson's coach. So maybe I put it out on Twitter. Maybe Larionov listens to Canucks Convo. He heard hashtag free pods and he really just took it to heart. And now he's going in there himself and going to go figure out what's going on. Yeah, and I and I know Dollywall reported that, um, and he also wrote about Pod Coles a little bit, hearing from his Russian sources. If you potentially read that article, uh, I had a pretty heated little debate with uh, with Dollywall in the DMs the other day, as we were disagreeing on a lot of things on Vasily Pod Coles, and his sources are seeing much different things than than I am seeing with my own two eyes, since I've watched almost every single game that Vasily Pod Coles has played in the last two years. Um, so you know, we had a little argument about his sources versus my eyes. I believe in my eyes. I believe in what I. See Steve Vilsilly Pod Colson play. I believe what I hear from scouts like, you know, guys like Cam Robinson and Craig Button that I believe are at the top of the industry in scouts. And I do believe that even though Dolly Wall was reporting and he wrote about it, that a lot of people don't think Vasily Pod Colson will hop into the NHL immediately for the Canucks. I hate to say it and I don't mean to start drama, but like that is 100% wrong, I think, um, from his sources that Rick's getting. I, I don't agree with that one bit at all. I think Vasily Pod Colson uh, is ready to jump right into the NHL. I think he. I think he could have started this season going into it, you know, the 2020-21 season. I think he could have been on the Canucks starting roster in December if that was the case. Unfortunately, he's stuck in Russia and he's going to have to play that SKA game, but they have, you know, the best trainers, the best practice facility, the best athletic uh, 
everything around them at SKA is the best. The problem is the coach isn't playing the player. So he's in a great spot to develop off the ice, but unfortunately on the ice, when you get six, seven minutes, it's not great for development. Um, and then the final thing I just wanted to add from the prospects report, uh, it came out actually earlier on Tuesday morning that um, a KHL team locomotive um, actually had to forfeit one of their games because they didn't show up. Um, and then later that was released by the KHL on their site. They didn't release it in English, but they did release it on the KHL Russian Twitter feed saying that it was a forfeit match because Locomotive couldn't make it. And then I saw some more reporting on it. Apparently almost all of that team, the Locomotive in the KHL, um, has has COVID-19. I mean, almost the entire like roster, athletic team around it, the medicals team, the coaches, apparently they almost all of them have COVID-19, which is a scary thought. Um, I watch KHL games. They're almost at full capacity in some of these arenas. Like I said, I've been saying this for a while. I don't, I don't think they're taking it as serious in the KHL as we're seeing it in other leagues, specifically around North America. I know that we saw the NFL come up with some fans, you know, some fans in the stands, uh, 25% capacity at some arenas. But like, it, it's a scary thought to see that, you know, games are getting canceled because an entire team has COVID-19 uh, and they're still bringing fans into the arena. They're still filling the seats. Everybody's right beside each other. I mean, there's cheerleaders at these games. There's mascots. There's everyone running around. It's, it's, it's eerie to look at because because I feel like my brain has adjusted to seeing uh, hockey without people in the stands. You know, I've watched basketball with the weird thing that they have in the background there, which, by the way, I actually think is really cool that the NBA has, like, those fans on Zoom, you know, as, like, the crowd. Like, I, I think yeah. that's kind of cool. But just, I think, seeing fans and knowing what the world's going through right now with this virus still, it, it's, it's a scary sight to see sometimes. Like, the SHL doesn't have fans at their games. Uh, that's why a recent game, like, Huglander was supposed to play on Thursday – uh, but they're changing the capacity from games to 50 up to 500 starting October 1st. Uh, so that game was pushed back um, in the SHL to October 1st so they could have more fans in the game. So SHL is going to go with something like that, 500 people in the stands starting October 1st. But man, it, it's a scary thing going on in the KHL right now. It's not great news to hear at all. My goodness. I mean, I hope I hope it's dealt with quickly and I hope it's nothing that spreads throughout the whole league so we'll have to wait and see and you know keep track of that but I mean if that's all you have to add I think I'm done here as well I got one last thing that's gonna make you happy quads one last thing it's a quick little prospect update Nikita Triampkin is fifth in the KHL on average ice time right now just so you know well, that's good. I mean, I, you know, here's the thing, right? Like, I, I, I don't think he's going to be an NHL defenseman. I don't. I didn't think he was going to be good if he came over this year. But man, it'd be so useful for the Canucks, and it'd be so wonderful if he goes out, has a huge season, and just you know, maybe he just wasn't trying the last two years. Maybe that's what we were seeing. But who knows? Maybe he just really turns it on here. I. It's just, it troubles you that a lack of effort seems to follow this player everywhere he goes and that his coaches seem to not really like him everywhere he goes. But now he's working for Bill Peters. Uh, so do with that what you will, that Bill Peters is the one coach who likes him. But uh, I don't know. Like, it, it'd be great to see Triamkin turn it around and it'd be really cool to see Triamkin, you know, come over here and actually be effective and actually be a player that is useful to the Canucks. Because, man, if you take him on a bottom pairing, like, you take that every day of the week, right? Especially on that right side. So, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, you keep tracking Triamkin. You let me know how he's doing. And I'll, uh, I'll have to hop on some streams with you as well. I just can't get it in me to wake up at 5 a.m. Yep, 5 a.m. tomorrow. I think Triamkin's going. So, I'll see you so there, you, man. Are you waking up for that? Man, like I, I, I kind of stopped for Triampkin for a little bit. 
Um, but you know what? Like I, I, I would catch the highlights. Like while I was watching uh, Pod Coles and an SKA play, they would always like they do a really good job of playing the highlights at the break. And when mm. they kept playing um, Triampkin's team's highlights, like you know, like he was included in almost every single highlight. Like, and I was thinking, like, okay, like. Maybe I do need to start watching Triampkin a little bit more. I've been trying to mix it up and watch Arvid Kosmar play. Um, he hasn't really been getting a decent run at the SHL level, but we'll see him at the World Juniors. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, I might have to start tuning in a little bit uh, to see some Triampkin stuff because I'm getting the highlights and I'm trying to clip those stuff. But like, I, I need to watch a player before I actually talk too much about him. Uh, I'm not going to be a guy who fake knows about these prospects. I'd like to actually watch them play with my own eyes. So yeah, uh, unfortunately, his team starts at 5 in the morning and Pod Colson's team starts at 9. So it might be back to those 5 a.m. wake-ups here pretty soon. We need more people like you who have to watch the prospects play before talking about them because then Canucks Twitter would just be silent on prospects. It'd be really, really funny. You know who we have to watch together, I think, is Jack Rathbone. I mean, neither of us have watched him much at all. And I don't know, like, everybody's saying this guy could make the team next year. And I mean, when we were talking to Harmon, like, that's why I still say Yolevi. Because I think Yolevi and Rafferty are the only ones that I've really seen play. And I watched Yolevi closely, man. Like, at training camp, I, like, whenever he was on the ice, my eyes did not leave Yolevi. Like, I was, even, no matter where the play was going, I was watching how he was doing everything. Like, I was watching him like a hawk. And I mean, I think that's why I'm a little more confident in Yolevi making the team. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You got to watch these prospects to know what you're talking about for real. <laughs> yeah, which is why I don't comment much on Jack Rathbone's game because I just, I just haven't seen him right. Like I haven't seen him enough. I've seen maybe five full games of him, like five games of him play. I think last season. So I like I I get what type of player he is, and I understand from pe- other people talking about him. But I'm not going to form my opinion from five games and reading a couple of even though they were great articles <laughs> like articles from Harmon or Drancer about him. Like I'd like to form my own opinion and kind of bring that to the table. But yeah, maybe Canucks Twitter could do that a little bit more. It might be a little bit of a better place one day. <laughs> no kidding. All right, man. I think that's good enough. Episode 104. This has been a blast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. You've been listening to the Canucks Conversation. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.